What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Now, normally, I like to talk some nonsense. I like to update update you guys on what's going on in my life, uh, the panic I'm having about food supply line issues, how much more I can stuff into my pantries, what kind of uh, potato soup will get you through with the most calories. I mean, usually I come in hot. I've got all sorts of nonsense. I've been ramped up. I've been cooped up in this apartment. I'm just looking to chatter with somebody in the world. But today, we're going to get right into the news. No nonsense. Things are too important because this might be your last opportunity to kill a baby. That's right. We've got a leak from the Supreme Court that they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And so, you know, Planned Parenthood, they're, they might be having a going out of business sale. This might be your opportunity to get abortions where you don't have to kick in any of your own funds. Maybe they're going to do balloons. I mean, knock up a lady now because this might be your last opportunity in some of these conservative states to get in at the very end of an era of where there were cheap and available abortions. So here you go. The Supreme Court, this is from Politico. Somehow they got their hands on the decision before it came out. And so I've got all sorts of questions. I know usually we've got questions on all the topics in the news, but today we're going to hone in on this one very important issue. So first question I got for everybody here is, will back alleys be reopening their abortion shops? Is this now the time to invest? Can you imagine walking around with a real estate broker and you just have them taking you around for an afternoon, just showing you back alleys. And you're like, eh, you know, this dumpster's not really working for me. I like the homeless people over there. The couple of homeless people that sleep over there. That's a nice touch. That kind of adds a little bit of flavor. But, you know, there's a few too many exits out here. We don't want that many. And then the guy's like, you know, we could just get you like a place next to a yoga studio. You know, they're, they're always playing music over there. I don't even think they'll hear the vacuum running over here. And you're like, nah, we were kind of hoping to be something like in the back, kind of towards a bar. Maybe so like there'd be some bikers hanging around, kind of creates the ambiance a little bit. But all I'm saying now is with, uh, you know, with Planned Parenthood running their going out of business sales, two for one abortions, knock, knocking people, knock women up, get the, you know, fluff up their stomachs. Uh, but now might be the investment opportunity of a lifetime uh, to get in, get in early on when they start, you know, reopening the back alley abortion shops. All right, next question I got for these people. Uh, can women unable to get abortions get a fifth COVID booster as a substitution? You know, we've got shelves filled with booster shots. Nobody wants to take these things. They can't get FDA clearance to give them to kids. We can't even send them to third world countries. And so uh, with uh, with all these abortions, you know, that you won't be able to have, can we just start boosting the women in, instead? Next question I got for these people. This is the first time ever that there's been a leak at the Supreme Court. This has never happened in the past where they're working on their decisions. They got this stuff all done and then somebody leaks it. So let's see what happened here. You got liberals. They're trying to take it out before it's ready to try and kill it. Isn't that an admission that they think abortion is murder? They're aborting this document. That's exactly what they did. The thing's not ready. It, it was supposed to be in that womb for another three months before the Supreme Court releases it. You just put it out in the open, trying to make it killed. I think we've got an admission here. And then lastly, will the federal government pay restitution to conservative states for illegally forcing them to allow abortions within their borders for the last? Oh, yeah, I was supposed to look up how many years ago Roe versus Wade was. Uh, and I didn't look it up. But here, let's read a little bit from. Uh, oh, more questions. I have more questions. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I guess only one. Man, I didn't do my homework getting this shit organized. You try and turn this around on a daily basis. These are the kind of sloppy errors that happen. Uh, what states will be setting up and offering slut sanctuaries? Think about that business investment where you're like, hey, we're the East Village. This is going to be a sanctuary for sluts. You guys can come here. You can have all the abortions that you want because that's all that we're happening here. They're just giving the power back to the states. So conservative ones could be like, we're not going to have these. But then your uh, your other ones could be like, hey, this is going to be slut central. And then think that's where all the men are going to flock to. And then maybe those will be the best states. Maybe that's how you put the conservative states out of business. Maybe this is going to be a game changer. Start getting people back to places like New York City. Uh, and then the other thing I was thinking about is this could be a fun job for like, if you're one of like these uh, male slash female lesbian punk haired looks in college and you're all you're all revved up about about women's rights and that people should be allowed to have their abortions. Maybe you could become like an abortion driver. We get like NASCAR race car type things where last minute you can drive some lady from a conservative state to a liberal state. And you're just flying on the highway like a get like a like a getaway driver. You only got two more days before you can legally kill this thing. That could be an interesting job. 
Uh, all right. So this was from the uh, Politico article. Uh, it's the legacy of Plessy versus Ferguson. Let's see if we can make an adjustment. I got to adjust these lights. That, that, I got a light going right into my eye. I can't read like this. This isn't going to work. All right. Plessy remained the law of the land for nearly six decades until the court overturned it with the Brown versus Board of Education School uh, desegregation ruling in 1954. Quoting Kavanaugh, Alito writes of Plessy, it was agariously wrong on the day it was decided. Alito's draft opinion includes in small type a list about two pages worth of decisions in which the justices overruled prior precedents in many instances, reaching results praised by liberals. The implication that allowing states to outlaw abortion is on par with ending legal racial segregation has been hotly disputed, but the comparison underscores the conservative justices' belief that Roe is so flawed that the justices should disregard their usual hesitations about overturning precedent and wholeheartedly renounce it. Uh, this entire thing kind of highlights to me why we probably shouldn't even have a Supreme Court We're playing some weird game here where if you can turn enough justices, all of a sudden, like, if anything, the whole slavery thing, I couldn't we wouldn't we have gotten rid of that without a Supreme Court? Was it a Supreme Court thing that stepped in and said it was illegal or legal? If anything, didn't we probably keep uh, keep slavery around for too long on the basis? Well, it's the law of the land and it's legal. I think we should almost be overturned. Like, I, and I know some of you people out there go in Congress and Senate and look at how many failures these people have. And do we really want people voting on these things? But the Supreme Court system seems in some ways to be even worse. Where, like, how do you have something that was the law of the land for 40 years and then new justices come around and overturn it? Like, I don't understand. So how do you have 40 years of making a mistake? And if you made a mistake for 40 years, are you going to pay restitution to the states that you forced upon them something they shouldn't have? Or maybe we should have had restitution for slavery. We legally forced uh, enforced it for for a long period of time. And so on things like this, I mean, firstly, you know, I'm a fan of states' rights. Let's make things as localized as possible. It's a better chance for representation. Why are farmers making decisions for gay people in the East Village? Why are gay people in the East Village making decisions for farmers? Look at the map in this country. You know, it's like in rural areas, they seem to like Republicans. And then in cities, they seem to like Democrats. Why are these two groups of individuals making decisions for the other in any capacity? These people don't hang out. They don't get along. Why do we need one government that's going to represent both of them? Where every once in a while, you know, one group of people gets a little bit more power than the other group of people. And so then they get to impose their will on, the, on them uh, and enforce their lifestyle. Who gives a shit? People in Texas want to not have abortions, want to live in Christian communities where that doesn't exist, just let them do it. And if that's not the place that you want to live because that's not what you're into, go move to the places where you can be a fucking filthy slut. I'll support it. I'll live with you in the slut town. I'm pro-slut. I'll I'll be, I'll be become the mayor of Slut USA. Call King the first. That, that's actually where I'd like to put up my empire. I'd like to establish my kingdom in this empire of sluts. That's where I'd like to live. Think I want to hang out with these Christian conservatives? We want to go to war because that's the other thing. There's something about protecting babies that also makes you want to go to war, which is maybe why we need to figure out how to hybrid all these people together. Uh, the problem is nobody go, nobody seems to change their mind. They just try and pose their stupidity on the other ones. Like there, there's no, uh, the conservatives never go, oh yeah, maybe you're right on the war thing, except they've kind of seemed to tame down uh, just because the failures of the war policies have been so evident. Uh, all right. What was I trying to talk about? I'm trying to talk about the Supreme Court. And I'm trying to talk about that there's something fishy to me that if you have law, how did it get overturned? And and why does it take so long to get overturned? I mean, you got a working system here that you can have a wrong law that forces states that don't that that view abortion as murder to have it amidst its uh, amidst its borders for for countless years. How, why does it take so long to unwind? And why is the system that you're able to unwind something that you feel to be as illegal that there's some sort of a game? where if your president's in office when somebody dies, like think about the gamemanship that's required in order to do something. The point being, this is not a working system of laws. And so if anything, if, if your proof of when things changed was because the sentiment in the culture changed so radically, like for example, when it came to the slavery stuff. So it seems to me like, why do we even have the Supreme Court at all? What good is it? I put it to you. The fans will run your mouth. Hit me up. Robsnewsroom at gmail.com. If you're out there, you got your you got your legal brat backgrounds, you got your lawyerly stuff, 
you come on the show. You can explain to me your take. All right, we got a couple comments here. St. Michael, hell yeah, run your mouth time. Good morning, Robert. You degenerate. I don't know why I used the word Robert. I don't know why you assumed that you were calling me Robert when you were friendly enough to call me Robbie. And while we're throwing the name Robert out there, tomorrow, I got to hit up Robert. It's the top of the month. We got to get some business tips. We got to find out how... Uh, how his new store is going. And I could use some business tips. I've been procrastinating. I've not been hitting my business groove as of late. I, I got I got dates to confirm. I even have inbound leads for gigs I haven't been responded to. I've been a nervous wreck. I've been I've been too concerned with whether or not I'm going to be able to get women pregnant and still kill those babies. I had the foresight, a prophecy from the Lord that the Supreme Court was going to take away our rights for abortions. And as a, as a result, I haven't been confirming gigs and getting out there. So we need to bring Robert from Sheath back onto the show, give us the business tips, the good vibes that we get out there, and uh, we live some more successful lives. Uh, and check it out. I'm like a race car driver. I got I got my I got my sheet hat. I got all my sheet hats, uh, which, by the way, you can get sheath, sheath hats. You can uh, go to sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RYM, and whoever uses the most promo codes in the month of June is going to get themselves uh, a sheath hat. All right, what else I got on the docket? We got we got other stuff going on here. What do we got? Add this back to the stream. All right, Putin. This is according to the New York Post. And uh, while I do love the New York Post at times, New York Post, that's the newspaper I read in high school. When I showed up to school, actually in the morning, there was this one kid and he'd have the New York Post every day. And so when he finished reading the New York Post, I'd bully him into letting me read his New York Post. And then sometimes I would skip school in the afternoon. I would just play Q1043, lay in my dorm room, kill ants and read the New York Post. That was my jam. New York Post is a fun newspaper. They keep things straight. You can be really stupid and read your way through the New York Post. And uh, are you going to get the most advanced, the greatest coverage in the entire world? No, but they're funny about it. They're very direct. They, they let you know who what their opinion is. They'll criticize who they're criticizing. Uh, they'll tell you dumb shit about celebrities. They got the weird but true. I haven't read a physical New York Post in a long time. Maybe I should go back to reading the New York Post because now I'm realizing that the website didn't have, does not have what some of the funnest sections of the New York Post was. Also, in my synagogue going days, uh, Rad, who I used to drink beer with before I went into services, and then I would leave in the middle of services and like the post services. They used to put out like cakes and stuff, so then I would eat that, and then I'd go back again in the middle of services and drink more beers and eat more cake. Rad was the man. I miss Rad. But he used to pick up the New York Post, and then sometimes I would take another break from services to read the New York Post while I was drinking beers, while the services were going on. I kind of miss synagogue. I mean, I didn't really go for the synagogue part, but I did have some fun when I was there. Those were uh, those were fun Saturday mornings. So anyways, you got this article. The New York Post, I think, has been mostly bad coverage of what's going on in Ukraine. They've been going with this hard line of, oh, my God, look at the war criminal that Putin is. And we better go get ourselves in a nuclear war, because if we don't get out there and put an end to what we started by provoking Putin to get into this thing, that monster, uh, he's going to kill more Ukrainians. And so we better really go in there and help out and not just keep giving them supplies and supplies and supplies to keep this thing ongoing so that nobody plants food. So nobody gets fertilizer and then we all starve ourselves to death. <laughs> That's not funny. I'm fun. I'm, I'm not laughing because of what I said was funny. I'm laughing because of my own personal intensity on this issue, which is unwarranted and unresearched. Uh, so here we go. This is from the New York Post. Putin to undergo cancer surgery, transfer of power to ex-FSB chief report. So for a while, they've been going with this. Hey, Putin's got cancer. Putin's got Parkinson's. Uh, and so now they're saying that he does, in fact, have some form of cancer. It's all the uh, steroids and bears he's been having sex with. People warned him. People warned him. Hey, if you're going to have if you're going to be having sex with bears, you're going to end up with cancer. And it, 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 there's there's cancer inside that bear's asshole. And the way that you get it is when you shove your dick up a bear's butt. What ends up happening is you start unseating the berries and the other things because we all know that bears hibernate. And hibernation is weird. You eat so much that you clog up your asshole that it's like when you eat, when, when, you know, like Thanksgiving day or just the afternoons when you're not feeling good about yourself, so you jerk off and eat donuts. So it's kind of like that. And then you collapse into a deep sleep. But what the bear does is it eats so much stuff that it clogs up its own asshole that it just doesn't wake up for that sleep. Cause usually us as humans at some point you eat too much and then you wake up and you're like, Oh fuck, I gotta make diarrhea. It's like four in the morning. I don't want to be up for the day. This is gonna ruin my whole day. Oh man. Now I gotta get up. I gotta go fuck me. 
So that doesn't happen to bears. I don't know why bears have some magical rectum stomach thing where they can just overeat and then just be in a permanent sleep. I mean, talk about the world's greatest solution to depression. Usually what happens is you want to take a depressed afternoon nap. What does that last four hours? Bears get to do that for the entire fucking winter. I mean, talk about evolution and just coming up with the greatest solution for living, which is not living for a large portion of the year because you overate and then just slept through it. Just fucking slept through the winter. Man, I'd love to learn how to hibernate. So anyways, the problem with the hibernating bear is like, let's say you're a dictator like Putin. And for some reason, you want to anally rape bears in your possession because that's what makes you feel good. If you're going to go out and you're going to be a dictator and you're going to make announcements to your countries, you know, you feel good about yourself. It's when you just anally raped a bear. You want to talk about dominance. You talk about what goes on in prisons of dudes raping other dudes that they can feel like, hey, I'm the alpha here. Well, think about how much more of an alpha you feel like if you just fucked a bear in its ass. So that's what Putin's been doing. He's been doing that for over 40 to 50 years in America. Our global elites, they like to drink baby blood. They like to shower in it. Uh, they like to take the placentas from all these abortions that they mandate into conservative states. And Nancy Pelosi, that's why she can be 450 years old and still show up and half stutter through a speech. That's why that's the only reason that she still has working knees and uh, and and keeps her 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 she keeps her fresh weaselly face, you know, going. It, 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 it's a tough it's a tough system. They got to scour the, 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 the world for baby blood. But Putin, he's got a different thing going. They always do things differently in Russia. So he's been out there and he's been raping bears aggressively. And that's how he gets his, uh, his macho energy, you know? All right. So anyways, people were warning him, hey, listen, there's cancer up those bears' assholes. He's got a whole winter of berries and grass and other things that have just been stuck in there. And if you're shoving your wiener up that bear's ass, you're going to get some of that old food inside your wiener. And the next thing you know, you're going to get cancer. And so it's been found out that Putin, in fact, does have cancer. And so he's sitting there with his Parkinson's. He's shaking desk like he's trying to jerk it off. Right. He's uh He's having other weird moments. And so people, they've been talking about that maybe Putin's as unhinged as our old guy. You know, our, our old guy, Biden, he he's he's unbelievably unhinged. And and maybe Russia isn't as bad of a situation where they also have an old guy who shouldn't be in charge. And he's got all the cancers and all that other stuff. All right. I was just trying to make two points. And we went we went on a pretty unbelievable tangent there. Uh, first is I would love if, you know, Putin goes into this thing. And he's like, uh, firstly, is this not probably the best opportunity to take him out? I mean, he must have like his version of the CIA making sure that while he's under, you know, none of these doctors are uh, are fucking with him. And it could be if something goes wrong. And even if it wasn't your fault, uh, just like, you know, because things go wrong during surgery, Putin's still going to kill you and your entire family. That's got to be a high pressure doctor situation. But I bet Putin's last word before he goes under is don't you fucking retreat. If I wake up and you pulled out of Ukraine, don't you fucking dare. But I'm also starting to realize maybe I had this whole Putin thing wrong. Maybe I've been wrong the whole time. Maybe the conservative news has been right. And this guy actually does have the cancer. He's about to die. And as a world leader with cancer, your last thoughts are, hey, you know what? Maybe let's start World War III. Why the fuck not? I mean, why isn't he going bigger? I mean, why just take Ukraine? And why just take the uh, the east side of it? And why just do it after the NATO thing? I mean, if you want to start World War III, why not just go fucking bomb China? Why not go bomb Israel? I mean, that, that would be a weird one. You know, you, you just take the Palestinian side out of nowhere. Or why not just come straight for the U.S.? Why not go back into Cuba? I mean, I would think that there would be way more interesting ways to be starting World War III than just trying to take the resources of eastern Ukraine to cover your war expenses because the United States refused to say that NATO wouldn't put missiles there. I would think. But, you know, like I've said, world history, ignorant of world history, ignorant of geopolitics. I mean, the amount of topics that I'm ignorant about and yet my track record of being right. But if there's one thing that we can take from all of this is that if you are the conservatives out there and you're saying that uh, we're at risk of Putin having this cancer and wanting to go to a war with other countries because he's about to die. And why not start World War III? Then I think we can only come to one conclusion, which is that we need to start killing old people. You know why? Because if old people are around, then we're at risk of them taking office. And then you're at risk of people like Biden or people like Putin being up there, being all filled with cancer and going, hey, let's start World War III. And you know what? 
Change starts at home, which is why I here here at the Run Your Mouth program are advising that you off your grandparents and you accept their wills early. No, no, no. We're not preaching violence here. But uh, I am saying I do think we need to rethink our strategy of, uh, you know, old people in power because apparently sometimes they got cancer and sometimes they got dementia and then they want to go to war with each other. And the rest of us are sitting here like, but I'm not about to die in three months. I'm not a bit like, why do you got to ruin the world just because you're not going to be around? The rest of us, we're going to continue to be around. All right. And now I see uh, Mr. Swans here. He's ready to go. I, I had some COVID topics, but, you know, if Mr. Swans here, let's get to it. Let's get to it. I'll come back to some of this other nonsense. Maybe I'll even save it for tomorrow. Oh, here, Guy, I'll pull you on. Even though we're, we're ahead of your topic, I'm curious to get your reaction. Firstly, welcome to the show, Mr. Swan. It's nice to have you. Are you there? Oh, I think you might be muted. Hold on. Oh, Mr. Swan, you're muted at the moment. You hop on whenever you're ready. I, I got other random topics here. I don't even think he realizes that he's on screen. I'll pull him off until he's ready to go. Uh, all right. Why don't we cover some of these other random topics till Mr. Swan's ready to hop to it? So this one, there was a news story of a um, couple on their way to Las Vegas to get married. They end up tying the knot over Arizona. And you got this nice little picture, Southwest Airlines. They put together a whole onboard wedding for them. They put up streamers. They put up lights in the aisleways. And uh, who else is a total cunt of a human being that if they were sitting on an airplane and someone decided to get married on that flight would be like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm trying to fucking sleep here. Like maybe if you gave out booze, if you gave out booze, you gave me an extra thing of peanuts and you said, hey, listen, we're going to be really annoying for the next 15 minutes. And uh, these people are going to be getting married on a cramped airplane next to a bathroom and they're really poor. So if you could just pretend to uh, to, to to feel like this is a, a holy union up next to a Delta Airlines, I mean, a Southwest Airlines bathroom, a Delta Airlines bathroom. I can understand that. Uh, those are that's a decent bathroom right there. But you, Southwest Airlines, you understand the garbage people that are on a Southwest Airlines bathroom? fucking diary they don't even have first class on a southwest airlines i don't know if that's true i've never been on a southwest airlines but i just thought it was so funny that all these people are willing to be like clap and they're they're willing to be okay with this i'd be so fucking mad unless i was hammered if it's an evening plane and i'm hammered and you're offering me a beer and someone wants to get married on this thing and then i can start walking around the aisleways hitting on random women talking about how moved i was in the ceremony just keep making the same corny joke like in like an airplane. You know that one lady who keeps pretending like she's a virgin, she's about to die, and so she's encouraging people to line up and have sex with her. So you just keep walking around and be like, hey, so are you the horny bridesmaid? Until at some point they end up duct taping your, your seat because the, the stewardess are like, hey, listen, you know, we were, we were trying to throw a nice little uh, classy airplane get-together wedding here, and that wasn't an invitation for you to be a creep and just walk around these highways and hit on random women. All right. What other random news stories do I have? Guy, you let me know when you're ready. You take your mic off mute and I'll throw you right on the program. I don't even think he knows his camera's on. I feel like the NSA right now that I'm just looking at Mr. Swan and uh, he seems to have no awareness of the fact that I can see him. It's like uh, it's like the, 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 the computer video camera thing. All right. We've got out in Ukraine. We're now sending the mysterious new Phoenix ghost drones. Do I know what a mysterious Phoenix ghost drone is? No, apparently people in our upper Pentagon don't even know what a Phoenix ghost drone is. But don't you love the newest condition of what's going on in Ukraine? Where we're like, listen, we're not going to fight in Ukraine, but we'll let our robots fight in Ukraine. Is this the testing ground for our newest generation of robot warfare before it gets launched on our own citizenry? I got I got to tone down the absolute uh, Alex Jones craziness because I don't believe that the United States government is creating robots to come and seize the food that we've stockpiled before Bill Gates starts World World War Three and, and famines all of us to death. But I do think there is something a little bit silly about us going, hey, we're not getting involved in this skirmish. And guess what? Wars aren't even really fought with soldiers anymore. I mean, how, how much of uh, how many of the last wars were basically fought because we decided to drone kids because that's so much easier than having soldiers try and kill them. And now we're going, listen, we're not getting involved in this war, but we are sending them the newest drone technology. Isn't that at that point? Isn't that just us getting involved? Uh, all right. And here's another new story. Mr. Swan, once again, if you're there, you let me know when you're ready. He might be sending me comments. He might have been messaging me this entire time. All right. Let's take a few comments here. Dr. Fauci, ouchie. 
Greetings from South Africa. Excellent. Mr. PA, it would suck if you have to go to the restroom, but you're stuck behind them. Yes. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if you really, really needed to use the bathroom? Because there's nothing worse. Firstly, on, on shorter flights, you can get rid of that fucking beverage cart. I splurge. I come onto the plane with my own water. I don't like having that thing down. I've never seen a beverage spill on a plane, but I always get nervous. Like I'm, I always get nervous. I'm going to get stuck with my beverage. I'm going to get stuck with my cup of ice. And then, and, and, and like on shorter flights where it's two hours, they interrupt you th four times. The aisle cart's got to come down once to give you your shitty beverage. Then it's got to come back to collect your shitty beverage. Then sometimes they do it a second. Just don't clog the fucking aisleways. Or if anything, maybe when you make your trip to the bathroom, you could just start asking the stewardess, hey, can I get my one can of soda for the flight? Wouldn't that make for a better fucking system? Everything's all cramped and you're clogging up the aisleways. Although sometimes I take an opportunity to use the bathroom in first class because if the bathroom's, if the cart's behind you, then you can go to the front of the plane. And then if you're really a lunatic, you can't sleep and you don't want to sit in your seat, it gives you an opportunity just to stand towards the front of the plane until they get the cart out of the aisleway. So that, that's kind of a win. All right. Uh, last comment, and then we'll read this uh, story. Dr. Fauci, Ouchi, America's last drone strike in Afghanistan, exactly the kind of weapons Azov needs. All right, Mr. Swan, are you here? You ready to go? Yo. Yo, what up, boss? Can you hear me? I don't know why I can't hear you. Are you muted, or is that just on my end? Hold on a second. I might have to make an adjustment. One, two. Let's see. <laughs> There you go. Are you there, Mr. Swan? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you fine. Sorry, you might have been able to be heard the first time I went, I jumped over to you. I don't know if you were there or not, but I was uh, commenting that your camera seemed to be on, but not your mic. Gotcha, gotcha. What's up, man? What's right. up? Now how's... my camera's broken. What the hell? That's <laughs> all right. How's, uh, how's, how's life? You got that kid yet? I don't have that kid yet. That kid, that kid is just kicking around uh, every day. Uh, and still waiting. Still, there you still go. I think that's smart. I'm I'm trying to get some women pregnant in my life so that yeah. when uh, the food supplies run down, at least I'll have some tip milk at home. I feel like mm -hmm. that's a pretty secure food source. It's almost like a goat because you don't have to feed your wife all that much in order to produce that tip milk. It's a good plan. It's a really good plan. I'm I'm telling you. And you know, tip milk is everything you need. Everything a growing boy needs. Yeah, and I'm thinking maybe I'll go to like different states, get all sorts of different women pregnant. Uh, and that way, if anyone relies on me for anything, I could be like, listen, there's like a line of women who need stuff from me. And then every once in a while, when your tip milk supply runs down, you'll be like, no, no, we should get together and raise that kid. I think that's going to be my plan. <laughs> I like this. You should write it down and you should make a course, this, you know, whole YouTube tutorials. I really think I really think there's, there's something to this. You know, there's a future yeah. here. And I love this fantasy world I'm living in where there's women in multiple states that uh, want to have kids with me and I'm just in it for the tip milk. Are you kidding? You're Robbie the Fire. <laughs> bitches be lining up to give you tip milk every day. There you go. All right. So uh, Warren Buffett, he has his annual investor meeting. People look at him as being the uh, the oracle of uh, of Nebraska. This man has made a killing with his value investing. Before we get into his comments on Bitcoin, before we get into the rebuttal, sometimes I like ranking billionaires in terms of how evil I think they are. I. Uh, do you have any criticisms on Warren Buffett in the way that he has acquired his wealth? Any particular stories of, I know that he's done this and that's evil or uh, like in a macro, you don't think he's too bad of a character. Oh, in some vague sense. Like I, I know there are some very questionable things he's profited from, but honestly, I feel like both Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett are a product of the passive investment poison that has taken over uh, the entire the entire equities market is that they invest in things that are big because they're big and and literally because because we're in this horribly inflationary environment like everybody thinks that it's just totally freaking normal that somebody who has already risked you know 30 years of their life to develop a skill and then find a job and then has worked their ass off to earn their money that they also have to be an investor to keep their money they have to earn it like three times in a row just to actually have the value so because everybody is just dumping money into the stock market, equities, equities are literally just a product of this horrible, horrible financial system that we're in where all of your money is eaten away. And because nobody has the fucking time, everybody already 
spent their whole life learning some trade to be productive and they've got a job and they've got to work day and night just to earn a little bit of money. They don't have time to be an investor. They don't have time to figure out how to do anything. So what do they do? They give their money to Vanguard. They give their money to BlackRock and they don't know it, but they also sign over their voting rights. And then they become $10 trillion um, uh, asset uh, management firms. They basically run the whole fucking show and all of the money, all of the inflation goes there first. So the equities market is just insanely bloated and inflated. And all you have to do is invest in big shit, big shit that has like that has the least possibility of growing in like a massive way. And it just makes a return. And then they get the credit first. So and because all the credit is just newly printed money, they get to buy up all the resources and price everybody else. And we have this huge economy that just ever further centralizes ever further like becomes this passive investment. I finance the current thing. Like it just, it's just this monster of ignorance where you just throw money at big shit because it's big and because it's going to keep its value faster. It, it, the equity itself is just going to go up nominally against inflation faster than everything else. And then it's credit worthy because it's big. Like it's big shit that's valuable because it's big for the sake of being big. Um, I regret that I did a half hour before I brought you on. <laughs> because <laughs> the nonsense my shot my voice is shot right now <laughs> the nonsense i was saying and then the five minutes of the the the, the wisdom you just packed into three minute response there um <laughs> i actually I, I i recently i was reading this book even though like i'm very in tune with the with the fed and the entire racket um sometimes yeah. when i find a book that with an author that puts it in a, a good way i'm like wow i didn't even I didn't even realize that angle on this thing. And so there's this uh, guy named Joe Plummer. I've read two of his books. Um, one of them is, uh, you ever read, uh, people talk about that guy, Carol Quigley, who's the historian. Uh, anyways. It sounds familiar for some reason. Joe to, Plummer. I get to not, to not ADD this too much. Uh, he was talking <laughs> about basically the banks have the power of other people's money, which is what you were describing that we all kind of give our money over to a BlackRock or a Vanguard and we sign over our voting rights. But then the power of those companies that they then get to kind of dictate terms, even culturally, such as with things as ESG scores, it's with our money. Like that, yeah. that's, what's made them powerful is that we've just handed them the keys to go dictate the terms on things that they should not have a say in, but we did it because we've handed them the money. It's the power of all of our mm -hmm. collective money. They have the power. They have the power to just direct the economy in some specific direction because they've been completely propped up by the fact that money doesn't hold its value. And the credit, when, when the instrument of credit is a political creation, then you only, it's a feedback loop, right? Is that if the big thing is more likely to, rise in value in correspondence to the new credit being created like when when there is when there is excess risk and the interest rate is forced lower well then you only want to invest in safe shit which means that the safe shit is what's going to be inflated faster than everything else so it's going to have an outsized return to everything like consumer price indexes or whatever it's like all the inflation is just stuck there it's like the housing market right is that because it's a safe investment housing goes up 40% Everything else goes up 3% and then quote unquote inflation is like 5%. But the 40% is inflating in the, in the house is still inflation. It's just sucking all of the, all of the credit that would go to other things in the economy, real production and real value that if you had money that you could just store and it didn't lose its value, wouldn't be there. All of that, all that capital would not just blindly go into housing. It would get priced out in no time. A house is not a productive investment. A house should not go up in value. It's got maintenance costs. It's you're just you're just sitting on something that somebody needs to live in. We have a homeless problem. Well, yeah, of course we do. House houses are better money than our money. And when you so when you have this thing, you have this special treatment where everybody is just lending not to people who need it, not to small companies that have. Um, outsized availability for growth that are potentially going to disrupt um, some industry, not actual investment, but they just lend to big giant corporations because they're going to beat inflation better because everybody's lending to them. Like it is literally a self self-fulfilling prophecy of if you create new money to finance a thing, it's price is going to go up faster than other things. So it's going to be the only thing like it, it, investment has disappeared.
in and, actual investing has vanished from the economy. And just to, uh, I, I guess, lend some uh, economic terms to what you're describing, uh, to me, it's all just credit asset bubbles, which is yeah. essentially yeah, government creates, yeah, creates credit for a certain product. And so it just creates bubbles. And what's interesting about the credit asset bubbles is that it's really just a way of enslaving and indebting mankind. Because, for example, right, if they just hand everybody money to go buy houses and so all houses in tandem go up because you've created a bubble in the housing market relative to the credit that you made available, my house isn't more affordable. I just owe more money to other people in order to have this asset. So it's a really good way to just kind of basically put people in debt. Yeah, one of the one of the most telling ways to to show that what you're doing is you're creating dependency and you're creating slavery. Debt is slavery. It's you owe what you own, quote unquote, to someone else, right? So you're not you are not the owner. Being given a loan is not being given something. It is taking away your future productivity to someone else. So if uh, the the best example of this is that they switched in, I think it was in the 80s, actually. Um, they switched from measuring the actual price of the house to measuring the cost of financing the house as the relevant CPI, as the relevant inflation index. So they said, well, people don't own their houses. So what's the cost of going into debt for their house? What's the cost of the bank owning their house and them renting it from the bank, financing it? The fact that they don't, they literally just don't measure the price of the house anymore suggests that they know nobody's ever going to own it because the, the value, the value of it, the, the nominal, the nominal price of it goes up, goes up too fast. Like millennials, Gen Z, they got no chance. They got no chance. They don't make any. I think. I think part of uh, why the conversation exists now in regards to student loan debt is um, exactly that, that they have to figure out how to almost refinance the home buyer's market. And so all these kids yeah. kind of learn their lesson of, hey, I don't like debt. And so the machinery is kind of looking at it and going, shit, we got we got people that have been that are almost wise to the fact that debt is not helping them. And so they're reluctant to take on more debt and we need people to be in debt. I, I almost feel like that's a. And I hear, by the way, that's not conspiracy. I actually hear people talking about that we need to get rid of student loan debt to stimulate the economy because yeah. otherwise you got these kids that won't buy houses. So, I mean, they're not saying it in mine and yours terms of, hey, we have to figure out how to make sure these people remain enslaved and that we've got like this almost culture that loves taking on debt and where we can create these credit asset bubbles. But that is but what they're basically saying. Basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, the, the most... The most poisonous way, the, the, the easiest way I feel like to reveal the poison behind it is when, when, you, when you begin to grasp what it means that you are creating new money, you are issuing new money into existence by political privilege, by bank license, by permissioned bank licensing, that you can create a, a new loan into existence and quote unquote, give it to someone. What you're doing is you're giving money to the bank. Like, so start it from zero. Start it from zero. I have no money. I'm broke. I'm dead broke. But I get a banking license because I know somebody. I know somebody who's politically connected and knows, you know, Gary Gensler, whoever the hell I need to, you know, suck off to get a banking <laughs> license. I get a banking license. I now have the the ability. And there's obviously there's, you know, little sad little red tape of like, oh, you can only do it to 10x however much money you have, blah, blah, blah. Or even though actually reserve requirements have disappeared essentially since probably around 2009, I think, in a general sense. So you actually don't, a lot of that red tape is actually gone. But I have zero dollars. I invent half a million dollars out of thin air and I give it to you to buy a house. What has actually happened? Now, Everybody frames it politically. You hear about it on the political stage that you just got a house. Way to go, Robbie. Aren't you so happy that the bank, that my, my generosity has blessed you with a house? But no, you gave me a house. I was broke. I was broke. You now owe me $500,000 plus interest. Plus, and who gives a shit what the fucking interest is? I could take a negative 3% interest. I'm $497,000 in profit. I didn't own anything. I owned nothing. I invented money. And then you now pay me a salary for like, what, 
30 years. I'm done. I'm done. I did the... 100% because of political privilege. I just bought a house out of the economy and I even even more see, hilarious. I got to position myself as the good guy and and make someone a slave for 30 years. Now this guy this guy's entire lifetime is achieving this one asset that he has to pay you for that because yeah, like you said had. you're politically connected you never had you just turned on a switch you gave it to them never owned a house yeah i mean talk about basically like we, we like we don't have kings and princes or whatever in this country but we does have that not some paupers yeah but does that not sound like the the king's privilege that you're the prince yeah. and so you just get to hand somebody something you didn't have and get paid on it for 30 years all right so let's take a look we're gonna go with the rebuttal of uh let me uh let me pull this up uh, so we had Warren Buffett. He's got his annual investor meeting. And so both him and uh, who's his writing man? Munger, Unger. What's the Charlie, other guy's name? Charlie Munger. Charlie Munger. So we'll start with Warren Buffett and then we'll move on to uh, to Mr. Uh, to Mr. Unger. They both had comments on Bitcoin. And so we're here. Mr. Unger. <laughs> oh, shit. I lost you. All right, give it a second. I haven't had an internet issue yet, so hopefully that doesn't keep up. All right, you ready? Are you there? Yeah, yeah, sorry, I was muted. Okay. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't answer any questions on the subject, but I will. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of people watching this that are long Bitcoin, and there's nobody that's short, and nobody, nobody wants their win by stepped on it. I don't blame them. I don't like people to step on my windpipe. But I would say this, that if all the people listen, if the people in this room uh, owned all of the farmland in the United States uh, and you offered me a 1% interest in it and you said for a 1% interest in all the farmland in the United States uh, pay me, uh, pay our group. Um, well, let's see. Uh, pay us this bargain price, $25 billion. I'll write you a check this afternoon. $25 billion. Now I own 1% of the farmland. If you tell me you own 1% of the apartment houses in the United States, uh, and you offer me uh, a 1% interest, so I'll have a 1% interest in all the apartment houses in the country, and you want whatever it may be for it. I can pause it. <laughs> this guy is just... is a, hard, a hard, little bit hard to listen to. I got to say, you know, it's funny, playing it originally... When I was when I was gonna do this on your mouth, I just had the quote, which I could have mm -hmm. read within thirty seconds. And now <laughs> that I'm playing it, half in. yeah. yeah now that I'm playing shit. it, I am slightly regretting the fact that uh, that I that I did the video version of this. We've committed. Uh, we can we can't go back now. <laughs> we gotta go six minutes and forty seven seconds of pain. Oh, is this no no? Because there's gonna be just two parts. It, it's gonna be two parts. The first part is where he says. Uh, farmland and uh apartments are a productive asset so we'll listen to that and we'll break that down and then okay. he turns it evil where he's talking about um uh how we all need the federal reserve which um i i guess i'll give a little bit of an introduction here is because uh he's invested in the system that relies on the federal reserve and so that's why he's kind of giving you uh he's giving away why bitcoin is valuable and yeah. he's not actually saying it's a bad investment. He's just saying how it destroys what he's what he's investing in. But here, let's give it a he and Charlie actually give a pretty good reason why it's valuable, which right. is really funny. Twenty five billion or something. I'll write your check. You know, it's very simple. Now, if you told me you owned all of the Bitcoin in the world and you offered it to me for twenty five dollars, I wouldn't take it because what would I do with it? Um, I have to sell it back to you one way or another. I mean, maybe I'm the same people, but it isn't going to do anything. The apartments are going to produce rental, and, and the farms are going to produce food. And uh, uh, if I've got all the Bitcoin 
you know, I'm back where whatever his name was, who may or may not have existed, was you know, <laughs> if I've got it all, he could create a mystery about it. But everybody knows what I'm like. I mean, so if I'm trying to get rid of it, you know, people will say, well, uh, you know, why should I buy some Bitcoin from you? <laughs> I mean, why don't you call it Buffett coin? You know, make your own or something. Do something. But uh, I'm not going to give you anything for it. And you'd be right, incidentally. But All right. Let's pause it there. And I will say, I mean, firstly, where he's just being 100% full of shit. I mean, the $25 example is just lunacy because obviously an asset that is worth trillions. If someone offered you it for less than that, you go, yeah, yeah, I would do that. Also, if he created a Buffett coin, he probably could sell it. Uh, but <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the core of his argument here, which is if you're looking to preserve your wealth, uh, let's go with an asset like farmland. So farmland can possibly produce grain. So I, I hand it to you and you might say, hey, put some of your money into farmland. But what, what's your take on that of a person who goes, hey, I should be buying farmland or I should be buying other producing assets instead of uh, Bitcoin. Okay, where do you keep your profits from the farmland? You keep it in money, right? Are you going to use a shitty money or a good money? That's the question. Nice and like, simple. Like he he literally, he, he argues that, oh, it's not a productive asset. Fucking of course not. It's money. Gold isn't a productive asset. The dollars, he hold, they hold shit tons of cash at Berkshire. Why? Why does he hold cash? It's unproductive. It's only it's all he can the only thing he can do with it is trade it for other stuff like farmland. Like he's complete he's just completely failing to understand like what Bitcoin is. And it, it's funny, like he kind of alludes, well, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, like because I know I know we're gonna hit that that part in just a second, talking about like the Federal Reserve and stuff. But monetary assets are specifically like monetary goods are unproductive goods. That that is one of the critical characteristics of it is that you can't consume it it doesn't go away um it it's durable like gold gold's been like we have some of the same gold coins and you know a six thousand year old gold coin we can still melt down and turn it into a fresh gold coin today it doesn't change and then uh, it. it doesn't disappear it doesn't rot like that's what makes it money specifically right and then i guess also a and something uh that would be worth I guess acknowledging in terms of having this conversation is if like right now, let's say, let's say you just got the biggest paycheck your entire life. I, I don't know how, but this month you just earned a hundred thousand dollars and you got your decision of where am I keeping this a hundred thousand dollars? So you might go, Oh, I better go buy a house right now while I can, because, and now, but now you got to, here's the question in a way that I think you got to think about. Well, do you think that there's going to continue to be inflation that the housing market's just going to be going up forever and so that at current prices, it doesn't matter because it's just going to be more inflation? Or do you think it could be that they might raise interest rates and that, you know, things might actually bottom out and you might see some bubbles bursting, which if you do think that, then you would want to be keeping your money in currency. And then it brings to your question of, well, what currency would I rather be in? Is it Bitcoin or is it dollars? Yeah. And basically right now you have a guaranteed just on just on like cheap plastic consumer goods, you have a guaranteed eight and a half percent loss on your hundred thousand dollars. And if you're measuring it against like things that you would actually want, like retirement investments and housing, you might lose 30 percent of it. So you're going to get obliterated. Now, you will not be diluted at all in Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin is more volatile because there are many stupid people like Warren Buffett who don't know the first thing about it. And so it's still in its discovery phase. It could lose 50% in the short run, but in the long run, it's not going to be diluted at all. In the long run, it's a global, it's a global independent money that is not even slightly susceptible to the federal reserve board or their meetings or, you know, a bunch of politicians getting together and signing some shit on a piece of paper that could ruin your life. And it's legal tender in three countries. So doesn't seem like a bad thing to invest a little bit in a foreign currency that can't be cheated by anybody. Not being cheated by anybody seems like a pretty valuable thing to own a little piece of. All right, so let's continue. And now we're going to get into the, uh, the second half where uh, he says the evil part out loud. That explains the difference between productive assets and something that depends on the next guy paying you more than the last guy got. Now, 
net, if you look at it, a lot of commissions have been paid and there's, I mean, there's all kinds of frictional costs that are very real that somebody has paid to a bunch of people who facilitate this game. But I feel like we really don't have to watch the second half of this. If you give me one second, I think yeah. I can actually find the quote. It talks about like paintings or something like at some like for like a minute and like how like if you have a 500 year old painting and it's like somebody who is famous, it might be worth something. It just it, it, he drones for a bit. There's, I there's think like that, one important line that's relevant. <laughs> I think the the relevant line, and I'll, I'll say it while I'm looking for it, but I do think I can find it pretty quickly, um, is essentially that he says that, do you think the Federal Reserve will actually allow somebody to compete with them? Yeah. Um, which here, give me one second. I do think I have this. Do you think the United States is going to allow this to happen? Allow Was that the line? Under, undermined? Yeah, they're going to shut it down. They're gonna, he's, and he talk, he's referring to it in like, context of like buffett coin um, uh, it's like why I, would they let me why would they let me undermine the federal reserve good enough because the uh the charlie speech is uh is is shorter and he kind of makes the same point in different terms so i don't actually think yeah. we need to hear it from buffett uh but as you've already basically quoted it why don't you respond to it sure that's why i find it incredibly valuable that is that is exactly that is one of the top value propositions for bitcoin is that it undermines the federal reserve and it makes your holdings you are still susceptible to the market i would be much rather i would much rather be susceptible to the market than to the federal reserve i don't i just don't want to be a slave anymore i'm i'm sick of playing this stupid fucking game where they just get to buy up everybody's house i'm not i'm not participating my the value of my house has nominally gone down in the in the bitcoin price my house does not go up in value. I buy my house because I need a place to live and because I want a house. It is a consumption good in relation to Bitcoin. So, yeah, yeah, it does undermine them. And yeah, they aren't going to be happy about it and they are going to try to shut it down. But there's no obvious way to do that. There, there, seems to be, there seems to be no way and everything about how it's designed, everything about how it's developed, everything about how the industry is set up is to challenge that is to make it impossible to shut down. What are they going to do? They're going to shut down the whole world's internet? If they shut it down in the US, it just not, doesn't do anything to Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't know. Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. And Charlie Munger actually brings up and applauds China for banning it. Did it do anything? Does does my ability to use like the the price is recovered, the hash power has recovered, the price is like 6x I think when when uh China actually banned it if I'm not mistaken when was that? I don't know. Like it, it, it's completely nothing happened. One of the and, largest superpowers and economic, uh, uh, economic uh, powers on the planet banned Bitcoin. Shit still works. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it again. And the idea that uh, I shouldn't be allowed to—you're basically opting out of the government robbing you via inflation and funding activities like wars that you don't agree with. And the idea that like anybody could take a stand against that, like you're on the side How of evil. Dare you? Yeah, you're on the side of evil. If people are going, you know what? I don't want to just keep my money in some asset that can be infinitely printed that I know is losing its value, and that not only that, but uh, like erodes in like the entire pricing power of the markets because you're distorting, you know, you're distorting the images of. And we don't have to talk about asset bubbles all day, <laughs> but just the, I, I, fundamentally, you've got a something competing with the U.S. dollar, right, and allows me to actually protect my wealth. And then people like Warren Buffett, they're invested in the other system, will say, "Well, yeah, the Federal Reserve will shut it down because the Federal like you're, you're basically describing. Well, I've got an army on my side. I've got the most powerful. You know, I'm a part of the most powerful mob. And with a big smile in front of his investors, saying, "Well, yeah, we're not going to let them do that." Like what you were yeah. describing at the beginning of, well, listen, we need this passive investing and everything just to go up because it's your only option. And so he's just, like, in a way, he's almost being like, yeah, well, we're not going to let competition hat. Like, we're not going to do that. They are literally part of an actual Ponzi in which they actually are profiting off of everyone else, everyone else by soaking up the resources in response to a paper, a paper printed token, ba basically a token of political false promises and uh and they're profiting off of it massively if the ponzi scheme actually goes up in smoke 
they they lose everything because the resources are the actual value and they know that they dump the paper to get the resources to get the actual ownership so yeah um and of course they think bitcoin is a ponzi um or bitcoin is a threat because they're the kings they're, they're the kings of that like they know they know how this game works um like it's it's money that undermines theirs and right. that's a threat that's a threat so now let's check out because uh his uh partner in crime mr unger when even ballsier in his statements calls us evil calls bitcoin evil so let's give it a listen and then guy swan with the rebuttal this is amazing well, i have a slightly different way of looking at it <laughs> i'll sell you something then. well i the in my life i try and avoid things that are stupid and evil and make me look bad in comparison with somebody else and bitcoin does all three <laughs> and, and in the first place it's stupid because it's very likely to go to zero the same place it's evil because it undermines the federal reserve system and the national currency system which we desperately need to maintain its integrity and government control and so on. And third, <laughs> it makes us look foolish compared to the communist leader in China. He was smart enough to ban Bitcoin in China and with all of our presumed advantages of civilization. We are a lot dumber than the communist leader in China. Yeah. And when 25% of the people of the country. I think that's all we need to hear. I mean, yeah, it's just so it, it, it's literally like actually sitting at the King's table and so it, this I, guy it, praises the Chinese Communist Party way too much. I don't I don't want to be I don't want to touch anything that this guy does because of that. Like that guy is a fucking lunatic. Have you heard his interview where you remember the uh, the billionaire in China that started standing up and saying like criticizing the Chinese Communist Party and he just fucking vanished? Oh, that's the like, guy. Uh, um, uh, the, the Alibaba guy. Yeah. Charlie Munger literally praised. The Chinese Communist Party for doing that and said we should do that here. That's we should crazy. we should be we should be brave enough to do more of that here. And people that guy, clap. That guy is evil. Because you're is sitting right up, fucking evil. You're sitting at the king's table where he's talking about like starving people, and so like they managed to figure out how to get a tree where they could get some fruit off of it. And him going, well, we can't have if the people have enough food, they might revolt against us. So. We, you know, we're going to have to take, and then everyone's like, yeah, we got to get rid of that tree, you know, and they're clapping for it. Get rid of that tree on the farm guy's land because they might actually become uh, hungry enough. You know what I mean? They might actually have enough resources that they're not starved and they realize what we're doing to their wealth. Like they just, just applauded. They just applauded that the market shouldn't decide anything. Yeah. That the government and that it undermines the federal reserve system. And I find it hilarious that Bitcoin undermines its integrity, not its policies where they cheat where they inflate trillions of dollars every year where uh where they pump out debt and soak up all the resources into the hands of like an incredibly small financial elite that doesn't undermine the integrity but the existence of something that has higher integrity undermines the integrity and he also he also suggests that that's the value of the system is its integrity well bitcoin is bitcoin because it has perfect integrity you prove it top to bottom start to finish down to the 100 100 millionth of a unit from the very genesis block every single time you spin up a node i turn on my software and i know exactly how much exists i can i can run the numbers and tell you exactly how many uh bitcoin uh exists i can tell you i can predict exactly how many will be created in the next 10 years and i know every single transaction i can audit the thing from the very second that it went live that's pretty damn high integrity and the thing and, has no downtime. And what he's saying is that without the forced robbing of all of our wealths via inflation, uh, the system can't work. Isn't it's, that amazing? That if anything can compete, yeah, if anything can compete with the currency and that we can opt out, that we're evil because that undermines. Well, then you, you have a system that's uh, fundamentally reliant on slavery and robbery, and so that's the system that you're defending. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day. Warren Buffett is what, like 91, 92 years old. Charlie Munger is like 98. <laughs> like, 
Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett did not buy Apple until 2016. If anyone is listening to either of those, if anyone is listening either to someone who is praising communist China for just outright banning things from the market and making criticism, just, just anybody who criticizes the Chinese Communist Party, just making them quietly disappear, just fucking killing them. If anybody is praising that and anybody who went through the entire mobile revolution and waited until Apple was 30 years old to invest a single dollar in it, and you are listening to them about a disruptive tech, about how they feel about a, a breakthrough technology and the undermining of the Federal Reserve System and a better money, you're not going to make it. <laughs> you're not going to make it. All right. Let's call it there. Mr. Swan, any last remarks or things that you want to plug? Uh, listen to Bitcoin Audible if you want to know about some about the real shit. There's a really great piece, actually. Uh, I alluded to it earlier uh, called I Finance the Current Thing. And okay. it's all about ESG and the fucking shit show that it is by it's, uh, written by Alan Farrington. Read it on the show. It's great. It's absolutely great. It's a great piece. It's like two episodes back or three episodes or something. All I'll right. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to, and then I forgot to plug uh, this uh, this weekend in Lady Lake, Florida at the Top Lobster Ranch. We're doing uh, the kickoff party for Summer Porch Tour. More dates coming soon, uh, including Denver, California, um, uh washington state and more might even have a virginia one in the work mr swan i always forget where you're from i it's west virginia north virginia something like north that. carolina north, north carolina. carolina i, I yeah. always I, know I, can make, I can maybe make my way up to virginia though you, you need to stop in we need to hang out hell yeah dude do a live pod again that was fun at uh childerberg which is coming up as well mr swan always a pleasure thank you for coming on and uh giving us the rebuttal for sure man good time all right hell yeah later dude later man